Journey to the Stage with Brian Frazier. This podcast explores current and upcoming projects, but always starts at the beginning of the artist's journey. This is episode six, and I am excited to have as my guest award-winning book artist, uh, who is truly one of my favorite vocalists, Holly Nelson. Holly is a singer-songwriter who's been active in the SoCal music scene for many years, where she's the vocalist for a great band called Stranger Kings, one of my favorite bands. And Holly has just released her second solo album titled Ages Volume One. Holly, welcome to Journey to the Stage. Hi, Brian. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. How's life treating you these days? Oh, that's a very complicated answer, but you know what? <laughs> I'm here and <laughs> having a pretty good day. And nobody's texting me with any emergencies right now. So we're good. <laughs> awesome. Well, good. Well, hopefully that will hold true for the rest of our time Thank together. You. Knock on wood now. There we go. Well, I'm looking forward to talking about your new album, but before we get there, let, let's take a jump back in time a little bit from your childhood home. Did you grow up with a lot of different musical styles and things like that? What was music like in, in your childhood home? Oh yeah. There was always music on. I was just thinking about how, you know, a lot of families have the TV on all the time but I don't remember the TV being on hardly at all. And it was just always music, always mm. music. So that, that was helpful. <laughs> awesome. Any particular artists, styles, that type of thing you were exposed to? Well, my very earliest memory is being in my little house and my mom would put on records and she had on her Starland vocal band record. The harmonies on that record just blew me away. I remember being so fascinated listening to their vocalizations and figuring out what the heck was going on. And I mean, I was really little. So, yeah. but yeah, that, that stands out as a huge influence and afternoon delight. You know, luckily I didn't really know what they're talking about at the time, but you know what? It didn't matter when you're little, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, as you started to develop your own musical taste, what, what kinds of music did you get into? Oh, gosh. Well, there's so many bands and singer songwriters from my just childhood that were always in the background that those just became they kind of feel like family. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Just been listening for so long. It feels like Uncle Tom Petty or the Beach Boys are all my my relatives in some way or, you know, uh, yeah. so always those guys, the Beatles were always there and, and the Beach Boys and Tom Petty, like I said, Fleetwood Mac and Jackson Brown and even Jimmy Buffett. If you can get past Margaritaville and those songs that so many people make fun of, I'm like, no, he's got beautiful story songs and ballads and, you know. <laughs> it is kind of unfortunate when some artists get pigeonholed by a successful tune or right. or more right. of their catalog and people forget or don't know even that there is a huge great catalog behind that I, there are many artists that are like that unfortunately no kidding huh I guess hopefully people explore more now because it's so much easier and they can discover some things mm -hmm. that passed by and back in the day but so tell me when did you start singing well I always like to sing along like I'm sure everybody else did you know mm -hmm. to the radio and growing up and Joined a really great choir in high school and had some really good training from that point. And then I just kind of was a singer at that point in my own mm -hmm. mind. So it didn't phase me to, to jump in like it. We moved from Texas to California in, the, in 1990, actually. Okay. And I started going to a church and, and just being like on the worship team was like a no brainer. So singing there and then um, coming up to Orange County with my friends to see like all the alternative Christian bands in the scene at that point. Yeah. And that kind of thing. And, and just joining in on singing at a party. And so that it was just always kind of a thing I did. And now, when did you realize that you wanted to take it up to a more serious <laughs> level and, and maybe do this as something of a, as a pursuit? Well, I, after coming up with all my friends to those shows in Orange County and seeing the prayer chain and the violet burning and, you know, other bands at the time, 
I wanted to, to join in. So I moved up here and um, I think I had been doing a couple coffee house shows before that with my friend, Dave Koval, great guitar player, mm. and then decided, you know what, I'm going to move up and, and do some more serious things if I can. And, and ended up singing at a party, a duet with Tim Tabor from the prayer chain. Oh, okay. And then, yeah, a bunch of guys who were starting a band heard me and said, Hey, do you want to be our backup singer? Like, okay. So that became Killing Tree, which is my very first band that I joined. And we played shows around Orange County and in LA. And so that was then a, a precursor to the prayer chain? I was getting to know the guys from the prayer chain and then joined the band Killing Tree. And I recorded one of the songs on the prayer chain record on Worm. Yeah. So that was a highlight. I mean, I, I had done nothing. So like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. And, and just being able to go like to the green room. Adam again was one of my favorite bands. And to oh, go yeah. to the green room and record was just a dream come true. And Yeah. In our circle, fun. that's a, that's a pretty historic place. And actually you had yeah. the, um, of being at the 25th anniversary for shawl at, at the house of blues show and oh nice I, yeah i saw you come up there with our mutual friend steve hindalong when he was playing oh, harmonica very, yeah fact, that was I, a fun show that was great. it was i i actually helped uh tim Tabor do some crowd surfing so that was oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> that was really interesting so okay so that's i was trying to figure out how you got tied into that so with with eric Camposano on bass in the prayer chain obviously uh, you guys would be in stranger kings together how did you get that gig as, as lead singer in that band? Well, after, after my first band, Killing Tree, I was in that band for a few years. And then we evolved into another band, mostly the same players, but it was called Mule Davis. And we played uh, some shows around Orange County and L.A. as well. I was married at the time to one of the members of that band, but we got divorced. As, you know, will happen with major life transitions, I started writing songs <laughs> on my own. And I'd never really written my own stuff before. so. I was newly single and just kind of, you know, reconnecting with old friends and went to a couple of shows, ran into my old friend, Frank Lenz, who uh, has played on a lot of amazing things and is an incredible producer. And he had been working with Northern Records on a record and on other people's things. And so he said, hey, are you you singing still? I'm like, yeah, is he writing anything? I'm like, well, as a matter of fact, I've just been writing my own stuff. So he and I worked up some demos of my new stuff and um, he pitched it to Jeff Anderson at Northern. Jeff and I met and talked about, you know, our philosophies about music and Northern's philosophy. And, and uh, I ended up signing with Northern and recording my first record with Northern and Frank and Andy Prickett from the prayer chain. And because Andy was working yeah. closely with Northern at the time and marrying Jeff Anderson and <laughs> had a couple kids. So that's my connection to Northern. And Andy, like I said, Andy Prickett was working with, with uh, Northern and Frank was working with Northern. So we were all kind of there working on the new record, Leaving the Yard was my first solo record. We'll dig a little more into that. So then you, sure. you joined Stranger Kings. You guys put yes. out your first album. Was that, yes. was that 2016, 17? I was thinking it was earlier, but well, Eric was, uh, they're doing Kush and all these other bands with Northern yeah. too. So he was, he was always on the scene. So that's how I ended up sing and we've you know been friends for a while yeah he just asked if i wanted to sing now stranger kings has a real i read somewhere the phrase dream pop and i think that that's actually a really an appropriate word to describe the music that you guys make because it really it and it kind of reaches back to the 80s and 90s a bit oh yeah so and it's no surprise that your voice fits so well because you have 
at least to my ear, your voice has a little bit of a, like an Amy Mann type of quality to it. Nice. Ooh, Thank ooh. you. Could not have paid me a, a nicer compliment. I love her so much. Oh yeah. She's, she's great. A friend of mine recommended the first Stranger Kings album, Red, when it came out. And from the very first listen, I instantly fell in love with the writing, yeah. the, nice. the sound. And then your voice, I was like, you know, I, I've actually never had an opportunity to say this to somebody, but you're actually one of my favorite singers. I, I totally love your voice and it fits so well with the sound that Stranger Kings made. And then obviously for what you're doing now. So just sticking with Stranger Kings for a few more minutes. Yeah, um, thanks so much for you, the compliment though. I got to thank you for that. That's a very nice thing for you to say. Oh, you're welcome. Especially the way they mix your voice with Stranger Kings. It's it's tucked a little into the mix. So it does make this real dreamlike. The real uh, old school indie sound. And it's it works so well with that music. I totally agree. Yeah, it's so fun. Are you in or have you been involved in any of the writing for Stranger Kings? I noticed the credits just list the whole band, which is really cool. I love when, when bands do that. But are you part of that at all? Or is yeah, that oh, yeah. It's a, it's a huge collaboration. I mean, I, the way it usually goes is that they will have already come up with, the, you know, an amazing track. I don't I'm not really a musician with an instrument, so to speak, other than my voice. I kind of I don't really include myself in the genre, you know, as of a musician. I don't call myself a musician professionally. But they come up with just the best stuff. Then they'll hand me a track and I'll, I'll usually write the lyrics and melodies to it. And sometimes Eric will hand me a, you know, a notepad and he's got some lyrics written out already and we'll work them into the melodies that I come up with. So lyrics and melodies are pretty much my thing. And then I can usually pick out the chords to go with what I've written in my head yeah. already. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, I don't start with instruments. They, they cover all that. And then uh, sometimes we collaborate on lyrics, but... I think a lot of collaboration on the second record and then a little bit on the first record, mostly. That's so yeah, awesome. everyone does a lot. It's it's a great group of, of guys. No one is a slacker at all. Everyone's contributing and has an opinion and they work together so well musically. It's great. That's great. I love the collaborative process in writing. And if I were going to create a list of probably my top 30 songs, I would have to put Half Truths and Alibis. That is such a great song. of that song the instrumentation the way your voice is mixed i mean just everything is such a great song no this, a, this is a great song i love that a, song so much i yeah. do too it's absolutely one of my favorites oh it probably is my favorite stranger things oh, stranger nice. things stranger right Kings. i do that all the time I'm, i have to point out no we came first okay <laughs> what yeah, came first the chicken or the, the egg the band came first yes, just for the record first. everybody Right. I'm a snob like that. We did not copy. Although I love the show. We didn't copy. And the song Lacuna, I think there's actually one of the saddest lyrics ever in an immensely uh -oh. beautiful song. I'm the, sorry. Did I write? The, the line is, oh, this is going to hurt to read even, but it's so beautifully said. You hold my heart, not my hand. You understand. That's the way it has to be.
he's responsible for your sorrow, right? Eric. Wow. Yeah. What a very poignant line. I mean, you know, to create a, a story that, that that would be true and where somebody would have the hand of somebody, but not their heart and knowing that that's, this is how it has to be. Wow. That's like whole other level beauty in what is a really great lyric. I mean, it truly is. We're getting is. pretty psychological there, aren't we? It's pretty evocative. I mean, I really, I I really love that. Now, Strangers King's second album, Blue, came out in 2019. When you look at those releases, you know, about five years in between, how do those albums differ to you? Like, where had you guys come from? And when you arrived at at Blue, how had you guys developed as a band and maybe even in your writing? I have the sense that is Blue just like a little more, I don't, I mean, I hate to say pop, but lyrically, it's maybe a little less dreamy. I think so. Little, yeah, I would agree with just you. a little more. Yeah, maybe just a little less dreamy, a little more, a little more poppy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you get to you play with some, you know, with the, with the group of people, you know, every week for so long. There's going to be, you know, obviously just more tightness mm-hmm. as as artists together as a band. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably my call for those two. I, what I love in Blue is there is a real Southern California vibe there. I mean, yeah. it's like youth and Southern California. Those are two things, you know, there's there's a youthful feel to it as in, you know, yearbook all-stars or I love the tribute to the Haunted Mansion with Doom Buggies. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> as somebody who grew up in SoCal. Oh, totally. Went to Disneyland a ton. Actually, my first date with my wife was at Disneyland. Oh, that's um, cute. I love yeah. It. And then I am earthquake. Hello. I mean, how many earthquakes have we had in Southern California? It's kind of funny oh. when, when the album first came out, I played tall skinny boy for my oldest son, Luke, who is probably nice. six foot three now. And yes. like, Oh, you are a tall skinny boy up to no good. <laughs> that's awesome. See so much to relate to in stranger Kings. We just, we got our finger on the pulse of, of everything. Don't we? <laughs> you do. You guys are cutting edge. You're leading the societal. I don't even know what. Before we talk about your solo work, I thought I read somewhere that the next Stranger Kings album, Yellow, has some work done on it. Is there anything you can share about any progress on that album? I am, I am, I can't. I'm sorry, I okay. can't. Yeah, COVID has definitely done done a number on on us as, as ability to get together and write together and yeah. stuff. Let's move into your solo stuff. So your first solo album, Leaving in the Yard, came out in 2003. Which yeah. is a, an album of a great mix of styles, but it's unified by what I would say is, is really good writing. Of course, your voice. There were a lot of influences. I mean, we had, uh, when I write a song, it's not necessarily going to be in, in the same genre all the time. I have such a, I love so much, you know, from mm-hmm. like the old school people I listed to you to a lot of 80s, a lot of alternative, even like musical theater. I'm, I don't, I mean, right now I'm like Pandora's French cooking music is, is frequently <laughs> on, so it's just so much all the time. Yeah, so I, sure. I never quite know, you know, what's going to come out next. And, uh, and on that record, there were the influences of Franklin's and Richard Swift and Eli Thompson. And there was just so much and Andy Prickett. And yeah. so they, they all had great ideas and I, they just run with the music. I don't really have, I can, you know, say yes or no, or insert something that I hear, but I just let them go with it. And they did such an amazing job. Yeah, they did. It's a great album. Now your, your new album, Ages Volume 1, came out just at the end of last year so the question is what took you so long that was a long time <laughs> long time between really albums. you gotta no i i am ah uh, well let's see here probably well, a lot of family things. and stuff so I, you know it's not easy yeah i have i like i said i got married in 2003 and then we have two daughters together i had a daughter from my previous marriage too who's my oldest now 23 ruby 
And then we had Katie and Lizzie. I, yeah, I was never gonna absolutely 100%. I am going to make it in this business. You know, that's just not right. ever, been. I, I like to write songs, but I wanted kids and I, it wasn't going to be my thing that to go on and tour and take them on tour or, you know, leave them behind when I go on tour or again, I was, you know, basically married to the record label. So there's no pressure from the label saying you have to get this out. And yeah. yeah, so it's been a hobby mostly and fun and I do it when I can. And yeah, life is busy, man. You, you guys know. I hear you. And that's really yeah. the same thing with my podcast. This is something I do for fun. I, yeah. I'll never make a penny off of it, but I get to talk to great people like you and people that oh. I find talented and interesting. So I noticed that I was, as I was prepping last night, I had both of your albums up. Both covers are shot at the beach. You like the beach, right? It's, it was such a, I just needed to get pictures because I'm just, I've got to finally put this record out. We're done with it. Just called on my oldest daughter, Ruby. She, you know, doesn't have to go to school every day. So she's, she was in college at the time. Like Ruby, can you just come do some pictures for me really fast? Sure. So we grabbed cameras and ran to the beach and she's got a great sense of, you know, how things look and how things should look. So she styled me pretty well for things and, you know, made things look good. Now the writing for this album is just absolutely solid. There's so many great hooks really throughout the entire record, the opening track uh, when the world was small, it makes such a strong opening statement and it really draws your listeners in. Let's, let's give a little bit of a listen to that right here. gonna stay dark forever did you think that the sun would never rise did you think you could keep me in the dark forever did you think I would never open my eyes now I'm awake and I'm not going back to sleep again Eyes wide open and one foot out the door It's a big world outside but I didn't know it then It's much too big for pretending anymore Yeah. So what can you tell us about the story that it tells? When the world was small, I guess it's just about being oblivious, you know, uh, to things. Maybe you grew up and nobody told you things, told you what to expect. You were just kind of, you know, traipsing along in the world and taking everything as it comes sort of. But one day you kind of realize, wait a second here, I've been putting up with a lot of crap that I, I shouldn't be. And I mean, yeah. obviously I only have the perspective of a woman, but I imagine it's pretty much a human perspective now. <laughs> I know lots of women would agree with me, but maybe men too. You just kind of say, wait a second. No, this isn't right. I, I shouldn't be letting people, you know, treat me like this and or taking, and it's very generalized. You know, mm-hmm. there are lots of, of things that you run into just from just your interactions with all kinds of people, not Absolutely. necessarily significant others, but you know, all kinds sure. of people. 
Well, a songwriter tells story, not necessarily their own, but yeah, um, I love that it really is. And it's an outstanding song. And, and mm-hmm. I see it I, as I was listening to it. I'm like, wow, this really does tell the story of somebody who maybe was initially a little naive yeah. um, about life and relationships <laughs> and then comes to grips with like, um, this is not working for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's, I know some of the songs tend to get probably more dramatic than, than I lived, you know, I mean, everything is, is, has a little nugget of your own personal experience in it, but a lot of times they do just evolve into their own story and it's not necessarily, you know, intervention necessary or anything. Oh, sure. Not every, not every piece is is autobiographical. Right. Um, Relationships seem to be a, a reoccurring theme. Was that, was that planned in the writing process or was it just kind of, as you mentioned, people writing from maybe a little piece of their own experience or something they've learned about or heard about from others? I know obviously relationships is, that's a pretty universal theme, but right. was that an intentional focus or was it just some kind of that happened naturally? No, I am very much an organic writer. I just, whatever, whatever is on my mind at the time is going to be what comes out, you know? And yeah, relationships for sure. I mean, having, having gone through a divorce, especially, you know, anyone who's been through that knows the the trauma that it is, no matter what the circumstances were, that's going to give you a lot of material <laughs> for a while. Absolutely. And the song sticks and rocks. That's a really good song. What I really appreciate about that song is it shows your vocal range. Oh, nice. And, yeah. Your range really stands out in that. And honestly, as I was listening to that, I'm like, okay, this could be a hit like on a country music station. Not that it's necessarily what we most would consider country, but modern country is very pop oriented. And that song has, you add a little pedal steel to the background and you've got a country hit in my, to my ears. It's a really, (laughs) (laughs) it's a really great song. Let's, let's take a little bit of a listen to it right here. Sticks and rocks, but it wasn't strong enough to keep out you. You found your grip and held on tight. I pushed away with half of my might, and I watched you pull a knife and run my heart right through its pain. Maybe. song this was a cut you released early I believe is that right yeah that was probably that was one of the first ones that we put out we only put out a cup for this record but um yeah that was that was definitely a consensus that that one was a stronger one so thank you for confirming the production on that piece is really good too I mean it's it's not overproduced it really allows you to tell the story and just it's got a great feel and just really well laid out as a track I, I it's a, it is a good one is a good one. Yeah, I have to give the credit. I mean, although I write the initial songs, the you know lyrics are fairly structured when I'm done with them, and I've got to give the credit for for all the production to my husband Jeff Anderson. He he really can hear a thing, you know, grab the big picture of it and adjust where it needs to be adjusted, and it's it's a gift for sure. And he's passed them on to to our daughters, to our middle daughters, a 
prolific writer. She just will go up to a garage band upstairs in our little home studio and just knock out full songs with all sorts of sounds. And you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. Okay. She'll, she'll be coming soon. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she needs to be my next guest. <laughs> Seriously. No, she's insane. It's crazy how good she is. Well, it's really cool that Andy uh, Prickett was part of this because he has been involved with so many bands over the years that I've loved either as a oh, part yeah. of the band or writer, producer, or player, you know, obviously prayer chain, but even, you know, the Lassie foundation, Starflyer, Violet burning, Oh, for uh, sure. you know, he's helped in different ways for, with all those bands. In fact, he even played some guitar on the last choir album, deep cuts. So he stays pretty busy. That guy. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's in demand for darn sure. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> the song over from the start seems to pick up where when the world was small leaves off when the world was small is I'm seeing things more clearly now and I've got one foot out the door and over from the start begins this way it says now that it's over you've gone and swept the legs of my heart I can <laughs> sit yeah. I can sit back and cry and wonder why you let her tear us apart Wow, that is so gut-wrenching. So here you have, you know, this realization in one song and I've got one foot out the door to, okay, we're done. How could you do this? It's, I think those are themes that so many people will be able to identify because we've all had our hearts broken at some point in our life. Yeah, like you said, it's a universal theme. Unfortunately, we just, we, we pay the price of being human, I guess, these ways. And yeah, I, I hope that it can be cathartic to people because it's it's not fun to go through for sure <laughs> yeah well you know i remember reading this was several years ago that love is is the most sung about topic but even within that love lost is even more written about so i think there's so much truth in that because oh my gosh, not, yeah. not everybody has found perfect love but we've all had our hearts broken so I think there's some, some universality in that that you're right that you've picked up on and, and express it so well Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, this this record was definitely the volume one is is kind of the downer record. It's got all the heartbreak songs, but volume two has the happy songs. There there were so many songs over the years, so we just kind of split them up like that. Well, yeah, volume two will perk you up a little bit. But see, but I I wouldn't even say that this <laughs> is a downer album because even when you're singing something, a line that maybe is it just bears the reality of of a love lost, the song is still beautiful. So, oh, thanks, so I don't. Man. Yeah. You know, it's not like no, people I know are going to sit around turning the lights off and sitting in a right, corner. Right, right. <laughs> no, that's how it works because not all the music is is totally sad. It's just right. some of the songs are upbeat and stuff. Lyrically, though, it's it's pretty much about relationships being over. It's pretty much about hard times. Now, the album <laughs> does end on a really upbeat and fun song, Late Bloom. It's a great way, I think, to end the album. What's that song about? Late Bloom? Well, it maybe has some kinship with when the world was small in that you wake up one day, you know? You finally just realize, okay, I, I can't live the same way I've been living because I'm not growing.
I get, the more I, I wonder if there's really like a set progression that all people reach if things were normal in their life. You know what I mean? Mm. At like when you're this age, you've gotten here. When you're that age, you're developmentally, mentally, you're, you know, here. But some people are considered late bloomers. So as we kind of bring our time to a close here, let's talk about how people can get your music and support you as an artist. Where can people pick up Ages Volume 1? I have uh, my website at hollynelson.com. And then um, there's always straight to Bandcamp or there's Apple. It's on all the services. But um, we don't have any physical copies just yet. We may do um, a physical copy of like a double volume one and two. For now, it's all digital. And um, I mean, you can always just, yeah, go on the website. That's I should be pitching that more than anything, right? Yeah. Go so on the website, everybody, only the website. <laughs> hollynelson.com. This is what I always encourage people. If you can buy directly from the artist, it's yeah, even better yeah. because that's what helps to fuel the next project. So hollynelson.com, you, you can download it directly from there. Strongly encourage everybody to do that. Independent artists are, you know, it is really difficult in the age of streaming. So you know, streaming is great for listeners, but it's really terrible for artists, um, writers, musicians, everybody gets significantly underpaid. So we always encourage people to buy direct. And I always say every time you support an independent artist, an angel gets their wings. So nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So before we go, I'm starting something called one random question. And this is where I pick oh, no. a somewhat meaningless question from a list and ask my guests. And you're the first to do this. So no pressure. Okay. Here it is. If you had a big bowl of tortilla chips in front of you, oh, shoot. would you want <laughs> guacamole or salsa? Oh, goodness. Really? I have to pick? Yeah. What kind of question is this? You're mean. <laughs> I think I'd have to go with guacamole. Oh, a bold yeah. choice. <laughs> really? I mean, I don't know. I'm in Southern California and all that's everywhere. I, I don't know how you could have tortilla chips without guacamole here. Mexican cooking music is my next Pandora station then. There you go. <laughs> well, Holly, this has been a really great chat. I've really enjoyed having you on. You've been absolutely awesome. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you saying yes. Thank you for letting me be on your show. This was really fun. Yeah, listeners, listen. And if you like it, yay. And I hope it speaks to you, the albums and any of the songs. And, you know, art is there for people to be able to express themselves. So that's right. Give it a shot and hopefully it helps with something. And everybody, just take care. That's good. I love that. And I, I loved your response when I first reached out to you. You said, yes, that sounds scary, but I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It's, I got less scared though. The, 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 you know, the more, the closer it got, I was like, okay, Holly, just calm down. So I'm not going to bite your head <laughs> well, off. Well, you were off. Yeah, that's right. Well, thank you so much for all of your time and thank you everybody out there for listening. And if you've enjoyed my conversation with Holly Nelson, please consider subscribing, following, giving a kind review or a rating, which is always helpful as I grow this podcast, which is being listened to in 15 countries throughout the world, which I am very appreciative of. And I have some great and interesting guests coming up. So stay tuned and we will see you next time on the next journey to the stage. And that's a wrap.